Welcome everybody to self storage income. And today we have a great topic, one that I love about my portfolio, what we're seeing in the market. And uh, I want to talk about my overall portfolio's effect on revenue and occupancy, how a lot of times those two things seem at odd, and the opportunities within them uh, may be missed. Now, this also applies to new deals. But uh, one of the big things that I want to remind everybody of is this week, we have our state of the market address. It is a webinar that is a free webinar um, that everybody can join. Follow the link below. Um, it's going to be very thorough, which we also include uh, examples within our portfolio and numbers, and we show broader data um, overall. I think this is important because we talk about this stuff on, on the podcast. We talk about different charts, trends, uh, and lots of times it's easier to see it and have it be explained to you guys. So um, it's going to be a large webinar, hour and a half probably, uh, lots of data that I can just uh, walk everybody through. Um, huge demand for it. I know we already have well over 300 plus registrants. Um, so follow the link below. Now, a lot of what um, we talk about on the macro scene and what's going on, it affects obviously down to the micro. That's why we spend time on it. Now, there's two things that I'm going to touch on here. Um, first of all, uh, I'm going to touch on this over the next few weeks more on the podcast, but the uh, self-storage game has changed. And in order to understand how competitors are competing and how that affects markets, markets, rates, and occupancies, you need to understand the game that is being played. This game concerns me, everyone. I'm going to tell you right here, right now, I think this game leads to regulation. I think this is a very scary spot our industry has gotten into. And I think that we're basically asking to be regulated and we will be because of it. Um, and here's the game. So what we learned over 2008 and through the ginormous bull run that we have been in um, was of the advantages of technology, revenue management and rate management. And the REITs pioneered this. Now, most of us um, did not see any effects of a lot of this technology and changes. The reason being is the market was too good, overly good, okay? And that meant that everybody had high occupancy, so nobody was really competing aggressively. Nobody needed to. That meant the effects of RevMan and what REITs were doing with their tech platforms and their overall strategy didn't need to be fully implemented and implemented behind the scenes. So it didn't affect market conditions because everyone had high occupancy and everyone raised rates. That meant no one needed to fiercely compete and aggressively compete. That has all changed, all right? And how it changed is the combination and relationship between these two things, occupancy and revenue. What the REITs learned was this. Once we gotcha, we gotcha. And the game they play now is in markets they're competing in, you have a $150 rate for a 10 by 10. They drop their street rates down to $50. They get 100 people in. They jack the prices up after three months to $150. And 
30% of the people leave. They lost 30%, but now they're getting 3x the revenue on 70%, which they didn't have period before. What that means is they can get more people, fill up faster, be more aggressive on rates, and still end up with that high, high revenue. Then what they do is they do that exact same strategy again on the 30%. They drop rates, they get people in, they kick everybody out, or they don't kick everybody out, excuse me, they jack up rates, and that leftover 30% vacancy now has lost 30% again. That means they're now at 80%. Um, that's what they learned. And that's what we're seeing in the marketplaces. The effects of this is one of the main drivers that, as the Wall Street pointed out, we had the largest rate drop in history. If it wasn't for this, we would not have seen that kind of rate drop. The rate drop that we saw did not match lack of supply. Okay, let me say that again. The rate drop that we experienced across the nation, which has been pointed out multiple times, was right around 30%, which is measured on street rates, not in-place rates. So there's this disconnect of actual performance and what we're seeing on the streets. You can So perfect example is my fund one that we bought. We bought specific facilities that we were looking at increasing, right? Now, in fund one, um, the street rates the year prior had dropped in two of my assets markets by, it was, I mean, 50%, right? 50% rate drop. That fund is up 30% in revenue in less than a year during this catastrophic rate drop in those markets, right? So when you look at that, we're actually filling up, raising rents, and two, by the way, rents will pop right back up. The main driver that was happening in that market was from two REITs that dropped a $180 rent to $80. Now, this is bad, I believe, because it leads to regulations. You, a lot of people are very upset. They're very upset at the rate increases that they're seeing and getting. And they're basically saying, this is like entrapment here, right? And this is definitely gouging or what they feel like is gouging. You got me in, you feel that I have less options and you're taking advantage of the situation I'm in. And when you're that aggressive in the marketplace to consumers, they complain and end up doing it to a politician's kid or a politician, then you've pissed them off. And then they go, I'm taking care of this and I'm not gonna let this happen again. And they go in with regulation. We have been very benefited in self-storage to have such little regulation. And the big players by doing this, yes, I believe you are abusing that situation and you're making it an environment to where we would get unnecessary light and regulation on. That's why it scares me. It scares me not because of necessarily what's going on because I jack up rates, right? Everything else like that. We all do. You have to. We all have to participate. We all have to work within that environment. I, I'm worried though with the, this mass aggressiveness um, we are asking to, to get clobbered on. 
and it's like a survive or I'm going to do it for the short term and survive or get not survive, but get better performance in the short term at a massive long term disadvantage. Um, and I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Uh, now, once again, adversely affecting everything, it hasn't really affected our assets or facilities because we're still up. We're still going up because the two that I was talking about were in fill up mode. So it's not like we were taking a rate or a revenue from where it was at to not. We were filling up unoccupied units and we were rising the rate. So it's a short term thing, which doesn't bother us because also I know the in place rents are not that. So the actual market rates is different. Now that leads into the next problem. The next problem leads into financing, um, especially for construction loan, where you need to go get a construction loan and the rates in the market have uh, totally collapsed like we've seen in multiple markets, the lenders come back and say, that's not a $2 rate anymore, it's a $1. And try to explain to them that that's just one facility that had to fill up some things. That's actually not what in-place rates are. All they're doing is putting them in at 100, 200. It doesn't work. All you take is a net zero in conditions like this. So you're netting out, this is what the street rates are. This is what the outlook is for this asset. There is no escalation quickly, right? They're not saying in this environment, you can get a $200 rate. Even though you can, the lenders don't understand this. They say, we don't even see you getting rate increases. So we actually have been working with a lot of lenders on some construction loans, and those lenders are telling us, well, we're underwriting you at this, the lowest rate drop point from one asset that was in fill-up mode. And two, by the way, when I say lenders, uh, this example was with 80 lenders. Um, and then they're saying, we don't think that market conditions, you're going to be able to get a 7% rate increase. So basically, they're looking at it and saying, over the next five years, you're going to have nominal, if any, rate increases. Obviously, that's not how it works, and definitely not how it works in storage. But that is what we are looking at. So your underwriting it gets even, even tougher. And that's the problem that we're in today is that our ability to increase street rates and not have a corresponding effect is leading people to do crazy things to win. Obviously, this is not all over the place, right? Obviously, if you with stabilized asset you own operating, it, it, this is affecting you on maybe some new people coming in, but then you can uh, get people up. But it, even markets that have not had any drop in rates because they're tight, they're going up. We're talking about averaging. That's why the average across the United States is a 30% drop. Where some areas it's higher, some areas there's not a drop at all, but these practices are what's leading to it. Now, this brings me to the my portfolio and looking at this overall relationship between revenue and occupancy, everyone. So I'm going to walk you through a couple of my assets. And I'm going to tell you things that did well and one asset that we don't want to see what happened. So this was actually a, a one that we don't want to. But you, the relationship is really, really important. So I have an asset that we um, purchased and it was about 90% full. Um, when we purchased it six months ago. Now, today, that same asset is 70% full. Now, people may go, wow, that is failing, right? It's totally collapsed and failing. Well, the other metric you have to look at is the 
um, revenue per square foot. At the time when we bought it, that was a dollar. Today, that is a buck ninety, almost two dollars. Meaning our revenue per square foot has basically doubled, even though we've had a thirty percent drop. Now, it's not so much the revenue justified the drop, but what that leftover vacancy of 30% is, that is revenue potential. So we've now changed that asset to have way more gross revenue potential. And we've increased the basis so much that our revenue is actually up, even though we lost 20% or more occupancy. Now, that is a good correlation. Even though one may be bad, the other one is good and it offsets that. In fact, it makes it so that vacancy is good because we have more revenue potential to the tune of 2x for that 30%. That's good revenue management, right? Now, in times like it was three years ago, if you would have done that, you would have had no vacancy. Obviously, that's what everybody wants. But that's never how it's normally been, and you shouldn't ever expect that. But lots of people won't even do that because they can't stomach that drop in occupancy. Um, and they, they're not sure if it's the right move. So the example that would be on the other end of something that would be actually more exactly what you'd like to see is we had another facility that when we bought it, um, it was at 95. Its revenue per square foot was 30 cents. Today, that revenue per square foot is uh, almost 60 cents, so almost doubled, and it's still 94% occupied. That's great. That's what you want to see. I would have been okay if, vac if there was vacancy with that kind of revenue increase. But once again, that's okay to see. Now, let me show you an example of the opposite relationship between the two. So this is an asset that we bought that needed to be filled up. So it was basically vacant. And when we purchased it on that, whatever it was, 15% or 20% occupancy, that occupancy that was in place represented 78 cents a square foot. Today, that, um, that revenue per square foot has gone um, to from, oh, excuse me, not 78, 83 cents a square foot to 76 cents. So the revenue per square foot has dropped down by roughly, depends on the two months you're looking at, but 25%. But occupancy is now over 85%. Now that's inverse of that revenue versus occupancy that I just shared. Now, why, when I said I was okay, obviously with vacancy coming in and occupancy dropping, but the rental rate per square foot, am I okay with the revenue per square foot dropping, but vacancy going up? That's simply because I can't increase rental rate per square foot on occupancy I don't have. So it's the inverse strategy. You get them in and then you work on the revenue. If you have a fully stabilized facility, and everything's working great, then that's fine. Now, I have another one that was the opposite. We had basically a stagnation in the revenue per square foot and occupancy didn't go up that much. That's what you don't want to see. If we're not having revenue go up and we're giving discounted rates and everything, you wanna see that corresponding occupancy. But once again, 
two situations, uh, rent per square foot rising and occupancy dropping. Good. The next one, occupancy rising and rent per square foot dropping. Good. So two, but opposite examples of why they're good. Then the best case scenario, which doesn't usually happen, is the example of my other facility, which was the revenue per square foot doubled and occupancy was unchanged, still at 94%. Um, now, when we look at these, it's important to know these are adjustments that we're making on a multi-year basis, everyone. The revenue potential that I needed to increase, which caused vacancy by 30%, I will fill up next year. So we're doing things not just for today, we're doing them obviously for years to come in busy seasons. And also we're testing the market and we're seeing where we can go. Um, the truth of the matter here is we were not nearly as aggressive, not even close. I mean, we didn't even touch what the REITs did. That hurt us, everyone. Um, I did not feel comfortable on my portfolio to drop a rate from 180 bucks, a street rate to 50 bucks, then to just in turn three months later after they'd moved in, jack it up to 3x. That was a personal decision that I made and it was wrong. Now, I think the reasoning behind it was right. I think it is wrong that that's happening, but it was wrong for me as a business owner, operator, someone that takes investors' money to not be quicker and play that game. Because at the end of the day, that game set the market. The customers don't care. The strategy doesn't matter as far as outcome goes is what matters. And I have to play the game. And this, everyone, is the big, big problem I have with it and why I feel a little more personally yucky about the strategy because I have to go along with that. If not, you can't play the game. I've got to focus on the occupancy and rate revenue per square foot game at a way more aggressive than I have ever previously done um, and that the market has never previously done or engaged in. And the reason being is if you don't, you can't play. Now, people are saying, AJ, you can be higher than that and you cannot play those games and stoop down to that level or whatever you may say, if there's a moral issue, whatever, regardless. And the answer is that's not true. When you're in a market and you're putting a rate, even if you dropped your rate at 180 bucks substantially and you have another player that's 50 bucks, you don't, you're irrelevant at that point. You're double, you're 100 bucks. You still dropped it by 80, they're 50. It's a commodity, okay? It's a REIT that has a nice facility and they are so under, no tenants are gonna look at you and that's gonna hurt your occupancy and vacancy, right? It is the game and yes, it does matter. You cannot just ignore it and you can't justify it away to tenants um, because that's not how tenants act, think, and that's not even how they purchase. So the question is, right, you got to play the game. So that's why I'm saying and why I don't like it, because I think, first of all, regulations, and it also forces me to play in a game that I don't like the way that's being played. Now, 
that I'm done. I'm off my soapbox. It is what it is. We're doing it now. Um, and the markets we have to and markets we don't have to, obviously we don't. Uh, but we have two facilities that we we do and we're, we're going to. The key thing is understanding the strategy, everyone, and the relationship between revenue and occupancy is what they're manipulating. And if you don't understand how they're doing it, that completely skews the way you see markets and realities just like lenders looking at a certain street rate going, holy cow. The, the, everybody's getting $100. And you're like, actually, no, nobody's getting it. They're all getting 200 plus. Um, but you have to understand it. You have to understand this game. You have to work with lenders. You have to look at in-place rates. You have to look at um, rate escalation. You have to be able to see these things. When you're underwriting a property, you have to know what's happening in the market and why a price may have dropped, why it's going up, and what that means. Because street rates, you guys, don't accurately represent in-place rates, not even close. So you may be missing danger or missing opportunity. That is what you need to look at when you're underwriting for a new facility, when you have your own facility. What is the spread between your rent per square foot, what the market's doing, your overall occupancy, where's the money on the table, everybody, that you're missing? Now, we're going to talk about all of this and more uh, this this week, everybody that may be listening to this a week later or two weeks later or three months later, um, we will keep the state of the market webinar up. You can actually just uh, email in. We'll, we'll put a link in here so you guys can all follow up and, and get that. Um, but uh, for those of you that aren't, I'll see you on the state of the market address. Everybody that missed it, Go in there, we'll get it to you so you can see what we're looking at and what we're seeing and um, what exactly we're saying will, uh, what we are saying that we're doing today for the next two, three years, which is a lot, a lot of opportunity, a lot more work, but we, we haven't been this excited about investing in new properties in a long time, everybody. Very exciting, but it can be also very scary in market conditions like this that you may not quite understand what's happening or why. Hopefully, we can help you with those things. All right. Thanks, everybody.